Podcast. podcast. I always go high and you go low. Have you noticed that? No, you always go podcast. Maybe, maybe we should switch. Australian? Maybe we should, I don't know. Maybe we should yeah, switch. It sounds weird if I went podcast. <laughs> <laughs> kind of have this trouble. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Welcome I don't know. Maybe show. it's your shtick, Michelle. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's thing. my thing. Maybe it's my thing. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm Michelle. And I'm Lauren. And today on the episode, we're talking about money, money, money. 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 You love that. Love, love it. You do I so can't well even too. Think of what song that is, actually. Isn't it a is that what oh. they actually sing? Oh, it's from um, isn't it from the apprentice? Isn't it from the celebrity apprentice? Or isn't that what they play on the show? I don't think so. I've watched no, it's like a song that, from the nineties or something. Yeah, but it's on one of those um reality TV shows. Is it? Okay, yeah. well, I never watched I that show. Just full disclaimer. <laughs> I'm going to Google it, but I'm pretty sure it's Celebrity Apprentice. Um, the Maybe the Aussie version, Mark Boris, you know, Mark Boris. I'm pretty sure they played that on there. That's I don't know who that is. Yeah, I, it's I, the Aussie yeah. version of Celebrity Apprentice. Obviously, Donald Trump did the right the American version. Right. Okay. Well, I didn't know because I'm Canadian, so I didn't watch that yeah. either. But. <laughs> well, there you go. We just got completely off topic, which is uh, nothing new, yeah. I'm sure. For our no, listener at home, no. they would be uh, well used to us doing that. Uh, anyway, you were outlining the theme, Lauren. We got as far as singing yeah. the song. And uh, so yeah. what is the theme? What are we talking about? Well, basically, we're talking about money because money makes the world go around. And, you know, really, it's uh, like it or hate it, it's important. And uh, personally, I think that it's really important to have a great relationship with money and to understand the power of your words in relation to your relationship with money. And so we thought that, you know, this episode will be airing at the beginning of a new financial year, which gives, you know, you, our listener at home, an opportunity to really sort of get on top of things in enough time really to make a significant difference in your business and life. So Michelle, I know that you and I uh, are very aware that although we have made some great financial decisions ourselves, we're not the experts so we decided to call in the big guns <laughs> my dad wayne price yeah. Dad. yeah wayne big price. guns yeah. yeah for sure and wasn't he excited he was so excited to talk to us and we we did speak yeah. to him prior uh to today today's recording of this episode and he was full of amazing advice i can't believe it. i was talking to my husband after we recorded and mm. i was like i didn't realize some of the stuff that came out of this, you know, I was, I've been to financial planners. I have spoken to my bank many times and got advice around when we should pay and all of that. And I have owned property since I was in my early twenties and some of the stuff dad was talking about, and, and he was very high up in a bank for many, many years, uh, several decades. Mm. And so he has this incredible kind of wealth of knowledge that to him, it's just common sense. It's second knowledge. And so some of the stuff that he said is quite surprising. I think our listener at home is going to find it a bit surprising and oh, it's changed the yeah. way I'm doing things now. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. And even his, some of his, you know, advice around credit cards and things like that, I didn't really think about before. Mm. So that was really good. And I know you're talking about, you know, some of those tips and tricks that he gave in relation to your mortgage. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, I don't own a house right now, but we'll definitely be buying one again. And we owned one before. I'm like, yeah, had I known that, that would have been helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is a, a bit of a game changer, this conversation. So I believe we're going to play that now for our listener at home. And then we will be back in uh, in a moment. So on the show today, we are talking about money, 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 our favorite, well, one of our favorite subjects, really money manifestation. Those are my two, you know, kind of favorite things to discuss. I'm not sure about Michelle. I'm sure she'll uh, 
she'll weigh in here in a minute, but we decided that we weren't really going to, you know, make the best use of our time if we just spoke about our financial experience. So what we did is we went through our phones and we went through our emails and we tried to figure out who's the best person to bring on the show to give us, you know, tips and tricks on how to kind of manage money right. And, you know, after all that was said and done, it turns out Michelle's dad, Wayne Price, was the lucky man. So we just went with the easiest option, Lauren, really. Let's be honest. Well, he's also <laughs> qualified and I'm dying to hear to see whether or not he can actually throw in some stories about Michelle as well that she would never tell me herself. So uh, anyway, maybe we'll get to that in the episode. But regardless, Wayne, it's so great to have you on the show. And it's even better that my dad's name is also Wayne. So oh. that's just pretty much the best. <laughs> Happy to be here, Lauren. I yeah, so, and now we can say party on Wayne when we end the episode or something like that, Michelle. Oh, Whoa. she had to do it. She had to do it. I know. <laughs> anyway, okay, so your dad is more qualified than just being your dad, although I'm sure that was a big job on its own. Michelle, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of a lowdown on who your dad is and uh, why we also asked him to be on the episode today. Gee whiz, I feel like I'm the butt of all your jokes today. Um, thanks, Lauren. So yeah, it's great to have dad here. And um, and look, he wasn't the easiest, um, you know, option. He He's really qualified. He's very experienced. And of course, um, knowing sort of my background with being able to sort of purchase property and, and do a lot of things that I've managed to do, that obviously has a lot to do with him because he's got that financial background. So um, that's something I'm really grateful for. Um, so dad, as far back as I can remember, has always worked in the bank and he was even, uh, I've mentioned before, he's a drummer and was a drummer in a rock band, but he did the thing with the rock band and then he had this job in the bank as well and had to sort of wear a wig. So that's the kind of thing I remember most about dad is that he wasn't allowed to have the long hair. So he had to wear a wig that looked a bit more respectable in the bank. So he's been in the bank for 30 plus years. And that was followed then by a decade of um, a bit of accounting. So he was doing a statement, uh, I guess, I don't know if it was bad statements, but he was doing like um, a lot of tax returns and things like that. Bachelor of Commerce from UQ. And then uh, that was his studies. That was his background. And then um, that obviously helped sort of uh, kickstart his financial career and uh, career in banking. So what we also wanted to just say, and we may... Um, I don't know, put a disclaimer up later when we sort of mm -hmm. post this, but um, we just wanted to make the point that um, my dad, Wayne Price, won't be giving any advice, but if our listener at home, of course, acts on anything that we discussed today, then uh, that is, of course, up to you. So, And also, we would recommend that you do seek a second opinion or professional advice as well. Good one. Um, obviously, these are just primarily us wanting to have ideas you know, uh, Wayne's made a significant impact in the financial health of Michelle, Michelle's bank account. Can I even say it like that? Yeah, yeah basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, we know how important it is to discuss money and having a healthy relationship with money, especially in the current situation, which is COVID-19. And by the time this podcast also launches, it's going to be started the new financial year, which is always a great opportunity to kind of dust yourself off and start again. Absolutely. And so, you know, we really thought that it would be advantageous for us to get a second opinion and not just explain, you know, our own story and what we've kind of done. Yeah. So yeah. So Wayne's the man. I'm so thank you help. for being on the show today. So we've already sort of um, learned a little bit about Wayne's background and experience from Michelle, but Wayne, is there anything that Michelle left out that you wanted to, uh, to mention before we kicked off with, you know, talking about the current economic climate? No, I think that's uh, covered it. 
don't need to know a lot more there, but I did find um, once I left the rock band and realised there wasn't a future there, that I only had a year 10 education. So I went back to night school, got an adult matric, and then uh, led to uh, University of Queensland, where I did the commerce degree. I think once uh, I was married in 73, and then uh, Michelle came along in three years' time, uh, I realised I needed education and to do more if I wanted to uh, make mm. things better. I think that's an important message for everybody, really, if things are changing. And uh, I've got to say, the, the economic situation at the moment, I have never seen in, in my lifetime anything like it. I mean, I joined the bank in, mm. uh, in the 1960s, and the only thing going viral in 1960 was the Beatlemania. Uh, mm. Australia had a large manufacturing capability. Uh, mortgage rates were sitting at around 5%. And uh, one thing that struck me in the 60s is when one of the, uh, the, the women I worked with got engaged and uh, to be married, she had to resign. Uh, she wasn't allowed to continue in the, uh, in the, the public service, so to speak. Um, and, and that's mm. the thing that's uh, changed a lot now. Currently, uh, the blue collar jobs are starting to disappear and they've been replaced by um, jobs in uh, the food industry and in hospitality. And those jobs are taken mainly by women. So there's a real change from the 60s when men were the dominant uh, breadwinners to now where there's quite a, uh, a mix in the workforce. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's quite something to look at the you know, economic climate and to see how many people weren't prepared for it. Yeah. Um, didn't yeah. have their, you know, their ducks in a row, I guess. We certainly uh, expected something to happen with the uh, the stock market, uh, and indeed, my uh, my planner took out a year's worth of income and put it in cash so that I don't have to sell anything in the superannuation account for the next twelve months or now the next nine months. But um, we didn't see this happening. I don't think anybody did, and it's really um, quite difficult period. So I've sort of had a bit of a think about uh, things that could uh, that could be done. Uh, certainly, Australia doesn't have a car manufacturing industry as a whole now. It um, still supports things in parts. But yeah, a lot of those traditional jobs have been exported overseas because uh, in Australia, the labour component is, is quite expensive. So we're, we're seeing uh, low-cost jobs going to countries around Asia. And, you know, and even the current mortgage rate is, uh, well, Michelle probably knows more about that than I do, but it's, it's coming down around about 2%, I, I believe. So yeah. we thought the 5% yeah. was pretty low. And I can remember in the 80s when we had the uh, recession that we had to have with Mr Keating, um, they got up to 18, 18% in the mortgage rate. So one thing is, is a real help for people in this current situation is at least we're not paying a lot for the uh, the interest. And that's not, I was just going to ask, and I don't know if you can answer it, but with the cash rate, because it was, as you said, uh, under Paul Keating, uh, a lot higher. Is this likely, would this likely send the cash rate higher or is that not no. what happened in this situation? No, in fact, yeah. Michelle, the Reserve Bank's talking more about leaving the cash rate as it is very low at the moment. And I think one or two uh, places, I think Japan might be in negative territory. So you actually have to pay to put your money in the bank to keep it safe. You don't get any interest. Probably just thinking about things that might help people in the, under the current circumstances. I remember hearing once that some people spend uh, money on things that they can't afford um, and purchases that they don't really need to impress other people that they don't like. 
And mm -hmm. and I think that's always a bit of a trap, really. Nobody gets a brand new car or gets a boat, gets a caravan, and sometimes you think, well, you know, I'd like one of those, and without too much thought, start to get into the, the credit traps. So my advice is don't be a dummy. If you can get the basics right, uh, you're on the path to prosperity. And I think Michelle's done that in her own life. Budgeting has been a part of uh, her, her life. And also um, she purchased a house in the early days and then moved from that to other situations. And I think she certainly, um, I don't think, had a credit card. I'm not even sure whether you've still got one, Michelle. So. Never had one, no. I have a debit card and that was um, as close as I ever got, yeah. Well, one of the things that I thought Michelle did very well and, and currently with her husband is budgeting. And budgeting is so important. If you don't know what you've got, then you really can't plan for the future. You can't adjust things if you don't know where you stand. It's a bit of a roadmap to the future financially. Would you like me to talk a little bit about that or...? Yeah, well, I might just, can I just interject briefly, because this is an interesting point. Um, my husband uh, now does all of our budgeting, but when I met him, um, he had uh, a lot of credit loans and, and sort of had never really been taught much about finances. And so when we got together, I said, look, you're going to do the budgeting, you're going to do the spreadsheets, that's your job, because I know how to do it. But I wanted you know him to sort of have that experience, because one of the things I noticed with with him, especially, is that he didn't know what was, uh, he knew kind of what was coming in, but he wasn't aware of his outgoings. He was just kind of, you know, spending, spending, spending. And so once he actually did the budget for the first time, he was like, oh, now I get it because I can see what's coming in and what's going out. And then I know what I've got left. And there was just no awareness there. And now that he does it, it's like, different story so good and um and i think that's an issue sometimes in relationships where one person who feels like they're good with the money just hangs on to it and the other person's kind of there going i really don't know what's going on so i think it's empowering and i just wanted to make that point and that's what yeah. we've done in our relationship i also just wanted to say with um with dad is that dad got me a dolomite account when i was little and so i've always had an awareness of saving and saving for something and that's something that, um, you know, my husband, and it's not a criticism, but he just didn't have that background. And so I was used to saving and waiting, whereas he was like, no, I want it now, I want it now, which is why we do the, you know, the credit, not we, he. Um, and then I was like, well, with the, the, I guess my background with the Dolomite account was just, I was used to saving. I bought my first bike that way. Dad and I did a junk mail run. Um, so some of the money was coming in from that and I put it in my account and I'd see the money growing and I'd get my statement. And that was from, I don't know how old I was, but maybe um, five or six or something, I think. Um, maybe it wasn't that early, but Little yeah. Older. I just think Around about seven or eight. Okay. Yeah. Really good grounding. So anyway, continue. Yeah. I was just going to say though, that um, it's interesting because money is actually where a lot of relationships break down. And yeah. I have had, I have seen people, you know, separate because of money yep. and uh, and how important it is that if you are in a de facto or a married relationship that you are, you know, aware of where your money sits. And, you know, one of the reasons why I started taking more of an interest in the subject is I read um, David Bach's book, Smart Women Finish Rich. Actually, I'm only halfway done, to be honest. <laughs> I, I had to buy a file folder and start all my filing. And then I put the book down until I did that. Anyway, that's, that's a segue. I'm, I'm getting on top of it. But I will say that he talked a lot about how 
a lot of his clients were women who were widowed and how a lot of their husbands never brought them into the conversation of money, never talked to them about, you know, where their finances were. A lot of them were in debt and they didn't know and really put these women at a disadvantage. And so a lot of his mission is to educate women to be aware of where their money is being spent and to, and so I think that what I'm so thankful for, and I know Michelle, it's the same for you, is that in my relationship, we talk about money and it's not a stressor. It's just uh, where are we at? We do our budget, we stick to the budget and that's just the way it is. And then when you're saving for things, like we've managed to take huge trips every year all the time uh, because you know we're just good with the money. And you know, kind of like Wayne said, we're not spending our money on frivolous things or things that we don't really need you know that kind of feeds our ego I guess yeah it's not traditional though is it back in the day as dad said you know it was all men sort of controlled the budget and, and the women had no idea and you you just spoke about that when when you're widowed it's like what do I do now so it's great that there's um yeah something for that so Wayne we would love to hear some um, additional ideas that you had uh, about budgeting and anything else that you that you were mentioning before yeah sure Lauren kind of got off on a tangent there um, no, no, not at all. I think they're very good points you've made, and I've written them, some of those down to uh, to help me. So uh, I might just go over them later on. But I think um, Michelle's uh, partner actually uses a spreadsheet. But I found there's a lot of options for uh, budgeting. Um, there's freebies, and uh, I had a look on uh, the bank's website, and most of them offer um, toolkits. And these toolkits uh, and include a budget planner. They cover income from all sources and uh, household expenditure, lifestyle expenses, and all the items can be actually put in weekly, fortnightly, uh, monthly or annual. So in other words, if you knew your annual take-home pay, then you could pop that in or you could put it in on the monthly pay packet or fortnightly. Um, things like uh, um, insurance won't be paid off monthly, for instance. You just pop it in so you don't have to really get the calculator out too much to convert it the budget planner will do all that for you. And many of the inputs that you need to your budget, you can find them on uh, bank statements. Um, my credit card statements has a very detailed list of the sort of items and it even classifies it into uh, household uh, purchases or uh, lifestyle or you know health and all that sort of thing. I think um, rate notices from your council, uh, supermarket dockets can help you with your spending, uh, fuel dockets and so forth, just to, you don't have to do this every day, uh, but it's it's worth doing it properly, uh, maybe uh, once or, or possibly twice a year, depending on how the situation's going. Um, I think income's pretty easy. If a person's on a fixed wage or salary, uh, just your pay slips and just key them into the budget planner as income. It gets a bit more difficult if you're on casual working hours. You need to probably have a look at that and sort that out. But again, it, it's worth the effort. If you're looking to increase income, some of the options might include looking for some part-time work. I actually did that in Sydney. Michelle would remember that when we're getting home late from, uh, I was lecturing at university after work and uh, had some late nights on the train as you get home about 10 and then having a college dinner. If uh, part-time work isn't available, then uh, perhaps some job retraining. I'm seeing the government is putting money into job retraining to get positions that are more in demand. So that's worth looking at. And I think the other one is selling items which are gathering dust in the garage, the shed, or even under the bed. In fact, I remember a, a comedy sketch where the, 
person was selling an exercise bike, said it was great quality, it's very cheap, and when you finish, it folds up and stores under the bed where it probably will stay for the rest of its life. So, uh, <laughs> they're things yeah. you can do. I was just going to say one of the people that I follow that Michelle knows, um, his name's Gary V. He's a kind of an, he's an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, even though he doesn't like being called that anyway, but he's all about hustling. So he has a whole thing all about going to garage sales and he's got a whole YouTube series called trash talk where that's what they do. They go to garage sales, they find these things and then they re resell them on eBay. And sometimes he'll be talking to people on, you know, zoom kind of like what we're doing and he'll notice things in their background and he'll go, Oh, you could flip that for, you know, this amount. Or he'll say, I'm wondering how much the things behind you would sell for. So it's just yep. reiterating that that's actually a really good way to make some extra money. It certainly is. I just, yeah, I've got a note here. That's sort of what Michelle was saying before. Don't buy on a whim. If it's a, a large purchase or decision, you really need to sit down with your partner before you act on that purchase so that it's a joint decision. Uh, if you're in a family, if you're on your own, well, just go out and do what you believe is right. But uh, certainly if you're in a relationship, I think you need to discuss with your partner before making large decisions. I remember my wife was saying you're spending too much money on your golf equipment. So we came to an arrangement where whatever I spent on golf equipment, she got an equal uh, budget for uh, jewelry. And that's worked quite well. <laughs> That, uh, that's brilliant the word jet ski pops uh, pops into my mind Adam. i'm sure you have no idea what i'm talking about there yeah oh i've yes. got a rough idea um, oh just, dear just with the garage sales and that just be a little careful the tax office will look at a hobby and it'll look at income and a hobby is not taxable but if they find that you're doing a lot of purchases uh, regularly and and making money from it they might assess it as income when i worked for the accountant a woman came in one afternoon and she showed him records of spending for the last three years uh, what she'd bought stuff and then sold it on the internet made a heap of money but she'd never put any sort of uh, bash return or got a tax number and he just refused to do it because it was just too hard so please if, if anyone's thinking of taking that up or doing it at the moment just discuss it with your with an accountant just to be safe. Mm -hmm. uh, no one wants a huge tax bill and you certainly don't want to go in the slammer. So um, yeah. on the budgeting of expenditure, this is where you can probably tweak it. There's not a lot of room on the income side, but with the expenditure, there's, there's two main types, uh, fixed expenditure and uh, discretionary. Uh, fixed expenses include your mortgage or your rental repayments. And it, there's a real good tip. I, I want to make emphasize this one for uh, making mortgage repayments are fortnightly rather than monthly, you might think, well, what's the difference? Well, 12 monthly repayments of $2,000 will repay $24,000 in, in a year. If you make those repayments fortnightly, $1,000 per fortnight, you'll actually have 26 uh, repayments, 26 fortnights in a year, at least there was when I last looked, and that'll be $26,000 per annum. So that extra $2,000, is a sort of invisible uh, repayment every year. And what that means is you will save interest and you'll reduce the term of the loan simply by making fortnightly repayments versus monthly. Uh, there's no real benefit in doing weekly. So it's generally fortnightly or monthly. But, That's uh, a great tip. Love that. I'm making a note here. Yeah, but 
Would you do weekly over monthly though? Uh, well, I guess I don't own a house right now, but when we did before, we paid weekly. Weekly's fine. Uh, weekly is better yeah. than monthly. Monthly. Yeah. So weekly or fortnightly. But the okay. people thought, oh well, if I save all this money doing it fortnightly, they'll save more if I do it weekly, but not not that much. There's okay. a little bit of interest okay. saving, but uh, you're okay. still making your twenty six thousand dollar repayments on a weekly or a fortnightly basis. It's just a, a mm -hmm. small saving, and interest rates are so small that it, it's it's probably negligible. So that was the uh, the mortgage tip. Once the budget's complete, it's time to have a look and, and see where changes can be made. And as I said, in the discretionary side of things, one example that I did was simply uh, we were getting papers, newspapers seven days a week. I changed that to getting electronic newspapers seven days a week and on the weekend we get the physical newspaper which is nice to have and, and relax on the lounge chair so basically uh, that small sacrifice has saved us hundreds, hundreds of dollars over the year and so it's a small sacrifice so i just read it in fact i do mainly the electronic newspapers now and, and my wife uses the uh, the physical ones on the weekend but it's things like that other examples of discretionary uh, entertainment not much around at the moment uh, that'll change soon, hopefully. And uh, restaurants, mm -hmm. etc. So it's time, if, if things are tight in your budget, have a look at those discretionary expenses and see whether maybe there's a, a an easier way or a, a bit of sacrifice here just to get that budget in surplus, which uh, can make a huge difference in your lifestyle over, over time. Mm -hmm. One thing that we do in our house is we have fun money every week. Yep. And if we don't yeah. spend it, it rolls into our, we put it into our savings. We don't actually roll it over into the next week. Oh, that's excellent. But that being said, you know, when you have your fund money, you don't feel guilty about spending it because you know you've done your budget and so you can blow it on whatever you want. And for someone like me, that's always worked well for me because I like having the money, you know, that I have to do with what I want. I don't want to have to sit there and you know, figure out where it's going if it's my allocated free money. Terrific. Yeah. So that's always been helpful for me yep. anyway. Yeah, we're the same, idea. but we roll it in. So we actually don't, like it just keeps rolling in. So I, th I like that, that you can put it away into another account because it's an incentive. Yeah, I like that. But sometimes if we need a bigger ticket item, we'll just buy it yep. because we have allocated extra. for it. But yep. we don't, yeah, we don't go crazy. Yeah, if we have an extra $40 or whatever. Hey, yeah. Just cool. uh, one other or well, a couple of points and then open to questions. Uh, my dad used to tell me people need to cut their cloth depending on their circumstances. And kind of what he meant by that was a person's lifestyle needs to match their income. And we never had credit cards in, in those days, but uh, now people can max out the credit card and then they've got to get into real difficulty. And I, I read it in the paper regularly where people have done this and it's led to some nasty situations. So yeah, just match your lifestyle to your circumstances and your income. The final one I had was health insurance. In Australia, we've got good public health uh, system where people without private cover can be treated uh, quite well. I've got a friend in the US and uh, they had to downsize housing to pay for a joint replacement operation. Uh, it's really expensive over mm -hmm. there for the medical side of things. In Canada, it's probably uh, along the lines too. So. It's worth discussing. No, we have free. We oh, it's free. free. Okay. Or we pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. We pay it like, you know, Dad's French needs to move. Fees, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, we've got free healthcare in Canada. Oh, that's great. Um, it, and it's worth discussing your private health needs with an expert 
as there may be savings uh, that you can make with not too much downside. But you need to discuss that with someone who uh, knows what they're talking about. Because if you really need treatment in Australia, you get it and you don't have to pay for it generally. Dad, I just wanted to ask one thing. Sorry, Lauren. Um, I wanted to ask something because um, we've been looking at, uh, obviously, Lauren and I were made redundant from the the company um, the end of March. And we were looking at insurance and things like that. And because we had, I think we had income protection or one of those things. And um, then there's life insurance. And then when I was made redundant, we didn't really feel like it made any great difference, like having like the protection. Um, and so I guess around insurance, like the best thing is to really do your homework. Is that something that like you would sort of recommend? Because we're just really not sure. I guess we need to go back to the bank and have the conversation. Because um, yeah, like until I you don't have life insurance or any of that. Yeah. I don't have any of that myself. Yeah. 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 So we got it um, and it was just like, yeah, I don't really feel like it made much difference. Anyway. What I'd like to say, Michelle, is I always took out a, uh, a life assurance policy when I had a mortgage so that if anything happened to me or to mum, the mortgage was repaid from that particular amount of life assurance so that uh, people think, oh, well, um, you know, nothing's going to happen. And it generally doesn't. I've made it to the old age of 70. But basically, uh, I always covered my mortgage principle and, and so forth to ensure that if anything happened, there was always uh, the mortgage was repaid and there was a roof over uh, your and mum's head or if mum had the problem then uh, there was a roof over our head so that we could get on and uh, live our life without having to, to make repayments and it's a difficult time. So that, that was my feeling, still is. I think um, the life assurance needs to be looked at carefully to make sure that it's, su it's suitable and that, again, an expert is probably what you need there it's it's good to have that mortgage insured up until, and I don't have it anymore, obviously, but uh, once the mortgage was repaid, I didn't bother. Mm. Okay. Yeah, good advice. Thank you. Yeah, I like that. And also for people with families, you know, that's probably something that they would be looking at, kind of like what you were saying, Wayne, making sure your family was taken care of and not lumped with that that debt, um, which I like. And for me, I don't, I just have, a, I don't have children and I am renting at the moment. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not buying life insurance. <laughs> um, Dad, one of the other things I wanted to maybe mention or for you to mention is um, power. Cause I know that you've got uh, solar, the panels. And so, and that's something that we, you know, we're looking at doing. So is that something that you've seen a benefit in getting that the solar panels? Is that a bit of a saving? Yeah, look, um, I've only got the basic one kilowatt system so we'd still have some electric expenses i actually want to cover that too um, it's good to uh, have a look around in the market find out what's available because you might get a better offer from a, a another um, electricity organization basically uh, i saw one that was promoted heavily by the state government at one stage they were giving 27 percent off the uh, the usage but I had a, um, another supplier who was giving me 21% off supply and usage. So you need to actually add supply and usage together, multiply by 21% and then multiply your usage by 27% to see which was the better deal. I know in my case, it was better to get 21% off both supply and usage than just off the supply. But the solar's been good, Michelle. It, it's actually brought our bill down to usually under $100 a quarter. 
And uh, when you're retired, that's a nice uh, a nice bill to have. I, I know that I see some people have uh, huge electricity bills, um, and uh, and that's an area that you can look at in your discretionary um, uh, expenses as well. Uh, are there things that I can do to re reduce that electricity? But at the moment, there seems to be some good deals in the market, so you could certainly have a look at, at that. Yeah, I was actually just going to give a quick example with the power. Um, when when you notice this is we were in a townhouse and it was in a gated complex. And what they actually did, I don't know if you remember that, it was uh, on the Gold Coast. And what they did was they the power was added up. So based on all of the townhouses, we didn't have individual meters. It was added up and then divided by how many townhouses there were. And so I was in a complex where it was just me at one stage on my own. And then all around me were like families, people with children, you know, the whole thing. So like my bill was was significant because it was literally just added up and divided. Uh, and not taking into account I know that yeah. I was on my own and there's people like that there's people in that same situation and so that's why especially with the um, power and it's not like you can go and get solar if you're well we could have I mean we're in a townhouse we could have we owned it but you know there's people in units where I guess the same sort of thing is is happening but they can't probably do as much as if you're um, in a standalone you know dwelling so yeah I just wanted to mention that the power it, it is important you know if you're in a complex like that with that's happening sorry Lauren continue yeah. 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 So my question was whether or not Wayne, you had any insight as to paying your electricity bill off weekly as part of your budgeting or whether or not you should be putting that weekly payment instead into say your, um, your savings account and then paying your bill in one lump sum. What I've done is I've got an extra discount because they debit an account with the electricity bill. So I, the money in my situation is just in the account, it, it gets banked monthly. But uh, no, they just draw a debit every quarter and take it that way. So, but I think if people are really having difficulty with electricity, and I know that's happening, and I, I, I read some figure, a ridiculous figure in the newspaper about the number of disconnections in winter, that's, that's no fun at all. So it may be that you can come to an arrangement with your electricity provider if you're struggling and, uh, and they'll work with you to say, well, if you can put this amount of money in each week, then uh, they'll keep the, the power on. But um, in, in my case, it, it's not relevant, but certainly someone struggling, that could be a real option. But I, I think I found this in the bank too. Often people wouldn't talk to us. They only started to talk after things got really nasty. Look, Anna Blyes now the, the head of the um, Banking Association and she's the next Premier of Queensland and she's a very capable woman and she said that the banks really want to help people talk to them and I'd say the same with your electricity provider, talk to them, say look this is tough, I'm struggling, uh, I need help and uh, who knows, I would hope that, uh, that would be forthcoming. And just on that note, so I have a friend and she was saying that she doesn't pay her electricity weekly. Um, she, yeah, because she doesn't need to, I guess, but also because she wanted to make more interest on her gross amount in her account, as opposed to, you know, paying off her bill on a weekly basis and not having that money in there. So any additional thoughts in relation to that? Lauren? The interest rates are so low at the moment that I yeah. wouldn't okay. bother. Look, uh, when the interest rates yeah. were high, I used to um, 
not pay my council rates, for instance, till the last couple of days of the rate period, and uh, now I just pay them because there's there's no. Yeah. Th I think I got two cents interest on my savings account uh, for the last six okay. months. Uh, it's just it's just not worth it at the moment. Uh, look, yeah, um, but I used to do that, and I can see why you do it. But at the moment, it's probably not going to help anyone. That's an extra two right. cents in your uh, kitty there, Lauren, for your uh, next yeah, holiday. Right. There you go. <laughs> that's right. Bless you. All right, credit cards. Credit card time? Yeah. Look, yeah. I, um, I had a very nasty um, shock one night. I was just checking my uh, credit card statement, and I saw $3,000-odd going to Coventry in England for a company that sells watches phones, uh, that sort of thing, tablets, laptops. And I thought, well, I'm not in Coventry and I haven't been there for a while. I have been there, but not recently. So I uh, rang the bank up and uh, they said, oh, yeah, okay, we see that. And, and they've just rejected another $1,600 because uh, the 3000 plus what I had in the balance of the credit card had exceeded the limit. So anyway, I found out and it took me a while to get to the bottom of it. But basically, I had a um, one credit card. It was a platinum one, and it had a fairly high interest uh, limit. Sorry, fairly high limit, and um, it was uh, used to buy stuff from local uh, suppliers in Australia. I don't think I ever bought used it overseas. And one of them was hacked, but I didn't know which one because they didn't have to tell you that their records had been hacked. So. They were selling my credit card details all around the, the dark web. Um, so wow. basically, organisations now have to advise you if your credit card details have been hacked and you can then take some action before that happens. But look, in a long, long story short, I got my money back. I had to get a new credit card with a new number and, uh, and uh, so forth. I then blocked it for anything international either in person or on the net. And if uh, we have a holiday in, in Fiji or somewhere like that, I open it up while I'm over there so I can use it, then I lock it again when I get home. And if I want to purchase mm. something from overseas, I, I bought something uh, from Amazon the other day. I had to open it up, do the purchase and then lock it. But what I have done is I've got a, a very low cost credit card, just a, a, a vanilla one really, with uh, just a thousand bucks on it, and and I lock it as well, but it's the one I use on the internet, so that if they get hacked and they, they I don't find out quick enough, uh, there's not much that can go wrong. I was a bit upset that they they got the three grand and they were going for another sixteen hundred. So uh, I've got the two credit cards, but the, the the one I use on the internet is free if I use more than I think five or six hundred dollars a year. So they don't charge me for it. There is no rewards at all. And that suits me. This is one for my security. I get rewards on the other credit card, the, the main one, the, the platinum one. But basically, um, yeah, we, we find that the cost of that card and the rewards are worthwhile. So I'm happy to do that. But I think anybody that's looking at credit cards, A, if you're, um, I don't pay any interest because I pay it off every month. But if you're going to have interest charged on your credit card then you really want to get a low interest credit card uh, some of the ones out there are 20 percent plus so you need to shop around if you have to have a credit card 
then get a low interest one and, and do your best to pay the, the darn thing off. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, just be careful. My, yeah, my bank didn't pick up those transactions. I had to find them myself. Um, and I think now they do pick them up. And I, I know some of the other banks have got security. So that if they find something being purchased and you haven't told them you're overseas, they'll ring you and say, look, this is going through now. Is it a genuine transaction? If it's not, uh, they will stop it there and then. So they'll save money and you'll, you won't go, have to go through the proving that you didn't do the transaction. That just made me think of something I know during COVID-19 uh, and I was worried about it anyway before COVID-19, you know how you can just go off and you swipe your card now and you don't have to put your pin in and all of that when you're just buying mm. purchases at the grocery store or whatever you wherever you're at. That always worried me because I was like, what if someone got your card and then they just swipe and as long as it's under the $100 limit, they don't have to put a number in. And during COVID-19, because they didn't want people touching things then that limit went up to 200 and that's always just really worried me because if someone got my card um they can go and do whatever they want and during COVID it was spending up to 200 bucks so you could just go from place to place to place unless the bank or someone noticed the transactions and and spend so yeah it was just a point it's not a question or anything like that but it's just a point I thought I'd make because I noticed um that I'd spend over $100 and I wasn't getting asked for my pin and they said yeah we've increased it so people aren't touching the you know the keypad so yeah this is one of those I, other I things one, to be yeah and one thing that's worth mentioning as well is what your dad said which is uh keeping track of your expenditures and mm. not just you know I remember when I was a teenager I wasn't always keeping track of my credit card I would go and buy something and hope it was going to work you know <laughs> and uh you know once you become aware and you need to become aware of where your spendings are, then you can, you know, like Wayne said, catch those discrepancies before they get out of control or you can go, oh, you know, maybe I'm, I wasn't aware that, you know, my partner used the credit card and I did at the same time and, you know, just kind of cross-checking that. So I think sometimes what happens is when people aren't being aware of their spending, that's when they can tend to overspend as well which is where a lot of people tend to avoid credit cards for that reason. One of the things that we do, we have a credit card as well, uh, probably similar to yours, Wayne, that has rewards on it. And one of the benefits of that is that it also includes travel insurance. And so for us, we travel every year internationally. And so it's always just been great because we haven't had to buy additional insurance because it's already through our credit card. So when we factor in, the yearly subscription rate in comparison to the amount of travel insurance we would be paying. It's, it makes a lot of sense to get that type of card, but you know, Michelle, you don't have a credit card and clearly you're still working fine. So, yeah. but I mean, if we yeah. traveled overseas every year, something like that makes sense, you know, it's, it's do your homework. So it just doesn't fit in with our lifestyle, but you being from, uh, from Canada, that makes sense for you. So yeah, it's do your homework. I was just going to say with the tap and go, Michelle, you have to talk to your bank. I, I know that uh, they expect you to uh, cancel the card or stop it once mm. you find it's been stolen or lost. But I'm not sure who bears the, um, if they've got a photo of a person in the supermarket using your card and you can prove it wasn't you, then you may get that money refunded. Okay. Um, but, but look, just keep close, keep the, the card close and um, hopefully that won't happen. But yeah, you'd have to speak to the bank about their policy. And report it as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. 
Lauren, did you want us to get on to books now? Is that? Yeah, sure. Let's get on to books. But actually, before we do, because uh, I am aware of time, I, I was wondering whether or not, Wayne, you had any suggestions for, you know, how people can find a rel- reliable accountant or somebody that's going to make their money work the best for them. If you had any tips on on choosing someone. Yeah, Lauren, I um, I worked for accountants, so that made it easy and I used them. But um, once I um, retired from that, my financial planner was able to recommend an accountant that I now use. And uh, when Michelle was looking for an accountant, I recommended him and uh, and, and I think uh, he used him as well. So probably word of mouth. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I see sponsorships on uh, Facebook and things from time to time and you just don't know. And I, I have heard of nightmare accountants where the records are lost and things go wrong. It, it's just, if you've got a word of mouth from a friend or a relation or a family member that says, look, I've used these people and uh, they do a good job uh, and they're you know, within you know, emailing distance or, or postal distance or travel distance, then it's probably as good as any. But uh, yeah, I, I think word of mouth more than um, relying on advertising or uh, nice brochures. Yeah, fair enough. And I'm, we're in marketing, so I understand all about that. <laughs> that <a package> thing. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to insult you. but uh... No, it's true. And that's why, you know, um, for people, if they're listening to this and they are in the money game, you know, that's why it's important to show up on social media. It's, in, it's important to educate your audience. It's important to have those success stories of people that you have worked with and been able to assist them and to really build that trust with your audience as well which is really important, especially when you're dealing with something like finances. Yep. Yeah. The question about accounting is really important for, I guess, um, me, because I, I know you've, um, you've got your own uh, ra you know, firm as well. But um, for me, this yeah. is a first, I've never been self-employed. So this year is going to be a bit more interesting um, having to do the tax and the bass and all these things that I don't have any experience with. So I'm really grateful to dad's person that he recommended to us because he's, Fantastic. We went to a kind of a business accountant the previous year and he really just deals with big business. And uh, he was recommended by a friend, but we were sort of sitting there and we we're telling him all our things and, and he wasn't taking any notes down. And we were like, that's a bit funny. And we sort of gave him everything and then waited like two months and we're like, hello, like, is anything happening? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm getting onto that. And, and he like basically had to ask us all the same questions again because he hadn't written anything down. And I think he just deals mm-hmm. with like a different person, like a different kind, we're just like a couple and have a couple of houses and it just wasn't a good fit. And when dad recommended his friend, we went in and this other guy had the big power suit. He was like rocking it. And this other gentleman who's lovely, but he just had like the tracksuit pants. He was very relaxed. He was in his recliner, very comfortable. And we just got such good service and a really good return. And we were really happy. And it, it all happened really quickly. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, word of mouth is great, but you have to make sure the word of mouth is recommending you to someone who looks after just couples and not big business. So, yeah, just wanted to make that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very good. Uh, so, Wayne, we were just wondering before we wrap up whether or not you had any suggestions of books or authors if people are interested in expanding their awareness on, you know, money and, and how to make their money work for them. Sure, Lauren, thanks. Uh, look, there's a substantial number of books and authors uh, available promising to help you become a millionaire in just a few months or so. And um, there's lots of sponsored uh, sites on Facebook and the internet that uh, promise similar. I saw one the other day on Bitcoin and I was a bit sus, but anyway. In my mind, uh, there's two Australian authors, 
who offer sound management or financial management advice. One is Noel Whitaker, and uh, the other one is Scott Pate, the Barefoot Investor. Noel's main thrust in advice is the benefits of compound interest. So that what compound interest uh, is, is basically it compounds every month. It's the same sort of interest they charge you on your home loan as well. They recalculate it monthly and based on, a, on the balances. And uh, superannuation is compound interest. And, and that's where uh, Noel talks about the, the absolute benefit of it in terms of its interest on interest and on principle for your working life. Uh, so that when you retire, you should have a very tidy nest egg. Uh, so compound interest is well worth researching. And it's, uh, it's really what you get with your superannuation account. Scott Pape, the barefoot investor, he drives around in an old ute and his dead set advice is not to purchase an imported Ferrari or something like that, a red one, but it's to drive something that will get the job done and get you from A to B. And that, that's just one of his mantras. But uh, certainly it, it's, sort of, it's in line with um, cutting your cloth incurred with your situation. All right. Well, thank you for that, Wayne. I think that was really helpful. Lots of tips and tricks. Definitely need to check out the toolkits uh, on the banks. Michelle, thank you for even interjecting the ideas of how to use solar and things like that. That was a great, great segue as well. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. All right. So that was our interview with Wayne Price. And just a big thank you to Wayne for all the work that he did put into that because, you know, he did prepare and obviously, you know, that was well worth it. So hopefully our listener at home learned something. So thanks, Michelle, for organizing that. That was so good. He actually sent through all these little notes. That's what Lauren's referring to in an email. He's like, these are my talking points, da, da, da. So organized yeah. and it made it a lot yeah. easier for us to know kind of where we were going. Um, so yeah, I hope some of that proved useful. I know for me and Lauren, um, it really has. It was really, really good advice. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So we're into the party element, our favorite mm -hmm. uh, part of the show. Okay. So what we're talking about, Lauren, is how to entertain on a budget. Uh, and you're going to start us off this week. Yeah. So one of the reasons why Michelle and I chose this subject was because, you know, the COVID-19 restrictions have sort of been lifted, you know, or to a degree, and we're really giving ourselves an opportunity to, you know, reconnect with friends and family. And, you know, especially for those like Michelle and myself who are made redundant, you might be wanting to entertain and have people over, but you might not be in a financial position that makes you feel like you can, you know, do the normal gathering justice. So we've got some tips and tricks for you on how you can in fact entertain on a budget. So first of all, we've got a couple suggestions in relation to food. So my suggestion would basically be to have small little nibblies as opposed to a big meal. Sometimes when you're making a big meal, it becomes a lot more expensive than if you were going to do something like tapas or appetizers or actually an entire evening of just little desserts. You could do cookies, you could make a cake, and you could cut it into little slices and things like that. There's a lot of ways of being able to kind of let food like that stretch a little bit further than if it was a main meal. Michelle, you have, a, you have another recommendation for, uh, for the food side of things? Yeah, I do. Um, and so this is hosting a potluck. Um, and this is a, a really good one. So uh, you got to ask yourself, why would you want to kind of bear the burden of producing an entire menu when basically each guest can actually shine by bringing their own recipe along? 
which is really cool. Like it's a bit of a sharing. Everyone's got different tastes. You know, I'm vegan. I'm certain you're not. So everyone's going to have something different to contribute. And it also means you can experience maybe even different cultures depending on, you know, your circle of friends and stuff like that. So yeah, I really like that. So hosting a potluck is um, one of our other suggestions. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I've done a, I've hosted a potluck before where I asked everyone to bring their signature dish. So the cool thing about that was, you know, some people, their specialty is cookies. Some people, their specialty is something a little bit more elaborate. So you do tend to get a pretty cool mix. And you get a mix of uh, savory, I guess, and sweet as well. So yeah, 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 Yeah. which is a great idea. Um, And so you've got another, you've got something else. Yes. So uh, a big one that we say in Canada, I don't know if this is an Australian thing, but we say BYOB. Do you say that here? No, the BYO part, but I'm not sure. We say bring your own booze. Ah, bring your own booze. Love it. Yes. So uh, BYOB is always important because that can add up. And, you know, one of the perks of that is that often when people BYOB, they leave a couple things behind. <laughs> so, hey, hey, hey. You know, yeah, are. yeah. Sometimes I wind up with a fridge full of random beers or wines or whatever, which is perfect. Sets me up for the next party. Saves you a trip to the bottle. Oh, love it. That's right. Love it. Um, so decor is something else as well, um, Lauren, that we need mm-hmm. to sort of consider. And what I love, and I use this a lot in my readings, uh, obviously, and, and healings is candles. It sets a bit of an atmosphere. Uh, it smells lovely. A lot of our candles these days have beautiful scents, your vanillas, your caramels, all that sort of stuff. Um, and the smell scent is actually really important. Like if you're trying to sell a house, as I'm sure you're familiar with, when you're trying to sell a house, what do you do? You get your smelliest, most beautiful candles, you know, the warm caramels and all of that and put them everywhere and light them. And people love it. You know, they walk in and they're like, oh, this smells really nice. And it's part of, it's a bit of a trick, isn't it? In your head. So, but we're talking about using um, candles in kind of a different way. And that's with, um, you know, a low price as well. So it doesn't cost a lot just to add a few candles, you know, pop them around your house. You can get them pretty cheap from various supermarkets. And yeah, I think it's a really great, great addition. And it doesn't have to break the bank. It doesn't have to break the budget um, to be able to yeah. afford that. Yeah. That's a great idea, Michelle. And one thing on that as well is that it allows you to have that soft lighting. So not only are you getting that smell, but you're getting that lighting. I remember some wise person at a party once told me that um, if a party doesn't feel right, you need to change the music or the lighting. And so I That's always cool impart saying. that wisdom on all the young people I know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Cause you are. Yeah, because it's yes. true. And uh, I've done my share of big parties. I've thrown over 300 events in my day. And, um, you know, ambiance is always a huge, huge thing. Yeah. So just, you know, sticking with that theme of ambiance and decor, basically greenery actually can look really good, especially on a table. So if you went outside and you got some, some pieces of, you know, some twigs or a little piece of branch or something like that from a tree or a shrub, and you actually put that on your table setting or sort of around, and then you put your candles in the middle or around it, that actually could look really, really beautiful. I actually really like that because I'm not a fan of fake. I don't like fake plants. Um, I feel like it just, I I can always tell. Yeah, you can always tell. And they don't have any kind of feeling to them. Whereas if it's something that has been alive, at least you've got that, you know, it's something genuine um, and a little bit different. It's a little bit different too. And it could be a talking piece, I think, Mm -hmm. in a situation like that where you're having a gathering. 
Mm -hmm. And in um, where I'm from, you know, pine trees are really prevalent. Uh So when you bring in pine, it actually smells as well, which is really beautiful or spruce or something like that. Yeah. So those are sort of my suggestions. What's next? Okay. So Lauren, obviously part of the prep that you're getting ready, you got your friends, you got the time, it's all organized, but before everyone comes over, there's a little bit of thought and care, I guess, that needs to go into that before your friends arrive. So one of those things, and we mentioned candles, we're just going to come back to that briefly in that we could perhaps maybe put some of those in the bathroom. And that's a really nice atmosphere. You've got the reflection off the mirror and nothing can catch a light, hopefully. So it could, it should be safe. Um, but certainly you're doing a lot of the food prep and all that sort of stuff out in the kitchen. So it'd be nice to also just consider that, you know, don't forget about the other parts of the house while you're sort of busy in the main sort of food prep area. But ideally, if you're doing that sort of food sharing thing too, you shouldn't be spending as much time in the kitchen. Hopefully that's a little bit of a a time saver, which was one of our earlier ideas. So let's just maybe think about the bathroom, make sure it's clean, obviously. I have been uh, to gatherings where that hasn't been the situation and it's a little Mm -hmm. uh, uncomfortable. Um, Or there's no toilet paper and there may not be, like the toilet paper may have uh, run out and there's no kind of backup, yeah? So then you're like, what do I do? What do I do? Getting tissues out of my handbag. so yeah, just sort of consider all those little things and rather than, and I, I know this for me for sure that I do get caught up yeah, in the food and making sure everyone's sort of provided for. Sometimes we may neglect a clean hand towel. Yeah. For example, in the bathroom as well. So people can wipe mm-hmm. their hands and it's not all scungy and wet from someone else using it. So there's, I think a few little things also hand soap. We need to make sure that that's fully stocked so that people can wash, especially with what we've been through. You know, we don't want any sort of uh, germs, you know, carrying around after what we've um, what we've just all been through. So, I think one of the um, great brands that you speak about on was it this podcast or another podcast, another podcast that I was listening to you on with the toilet paper that who gives it's the who gives a crap or whatever it is oh, that yeah. toilet paper yeah, maybe yeah. that's cheap that's cheap and affordable if you're having a gathering yeah. maybe stock up on that yeah and it's really nicely I like the colors and the labeling and all of that yeah um, definitely that, that may be a good a good thing to uh, stock up on before everyone comes that's over. a great idea yeah we'll put a link to that in the show notes too yeah. so that's fabulous yeah one of the things it's funny how when you learn lessons as a kid and then you do them and as an adult you go oh yeah I was taught that so my mom always taught me that before anyone comes over to go and polish the basin in the bathroom, because that's where people spend time. Yeah. That's a great tip. I love that. Yeah. Love so that. I always knew that that was what you were meant to do. Yep. When someone Whether we do there. it is the other thing, but <laughs> that's the ideal. Yes. So um, some extras as well, you know, just these are sort of, you know, little tips and tricks to add on to that. So, you know, disposables, not only are they awful for the environment, they're also expensive. And so even if you have cutlery or plates and saucers or whatever, that doesn't necessarily match each other there's still some sort of lovely novelty about that. And it's always nicer to eat off of a real plate with real silverware than it is to eat on anything plastic or paper. So I, I really am the plastic you- and paper girl. Sorry. Oh, no. Are you really? <laughs> I just want to chuck it. I just want to get rid of it. I don't want to oh put it in my dishwasher, God. especially a large gathering, especially a large gathering. It just all goes if in the wheelie bin. To- 
have to use paper then. So at least it's compostable. <laughs> Tell me you're not using plastic. Look, Lauren, honestly, I mean, I have to be really honest here. The, my dad is very heavy handed. We've, we've spoken to my dad in this episode. My dad is very heavy handed. And there was a point in our recording yesterday where, you know, that little sign came up on the, on the screen and dad was like, boosh, and I could hear him hit the button. Yeah. He's very heavy handed and he will complain if he gets a knife, you know, one of the, one of the papery ones or the recyclable ones and it breaks he's not a happy man. So, uh, and I don't want to do the washing up. So I give him the plastic and I have to get the really good quality stuff or he will break it because he's no. ended. Okay. We disagree. No. We have to agree to disagree. You can get high quality, um, compostable cutlery. I know you can. Let's put a link in the show notes. You, you track it down. Okay. I'll track it. Okay. We'll track it down. Because we, we know you're thought this out. Episode. Wayne, bring your own freaking fork to Michelle's house. <laughs> oh, mom and dad. All right. Moving on. Moving on to something. That went in a completely unknown down. direction. Yeah. Um, Pull things so- down. One of the things that we we use a lot of in our household because I make my own kombucha and so we have a lot of ice and we have like the fridge that kind of makes that, which is really great. Um, so we go through a lot of that because it's just a really delicious drink um, and it's a little bit warmer today too and I know up, you're up north. Um, so it's one of those drinks you can enjoy pretty much year round. And so one of the things mm-hmm. you need to do though, um, and we, we're lucky we have one of those fridges that kind of makes it for us. But if you are having gathering, you need to have the ice sorted. So whether you get extra little trays and things like that and sort of stick them in your, in your freezer, um, that it's really important. And that's one of the things that we always seem to run low on when we're, um, when we're serving drinks. So it's like, think about the ice. Um, and also obviously going to go off to the servo, get enough ice for everyone's eskies and have that sitting in the backyard and kind of waiting, you know, to go into mm-hmm. the eskies and things like that. Especially in Australia, in Canada, we don't always have the same issue. <laughs> no, yeah. in Oz, yeah. In Oz, but, you need that yes. kind of year round, but, um, that's something to think about before, you know, before you actually have all your mates arrive. Yeah. So you've got another, another suggestion. Yeah, I do. So, you know, a party is always better if you have a bit of a plan of what people can do, because, you know, often people want to, you know, can mingle, but if you're inviting people that don't know each other necessarily, or you want to have some sort of an activity, just having a really reliable playlist is actually something that's really good and affordable. You can just download that. You can do a YouTube playlist. You can, you know, just go on your phone and build a playlist. I would really recommend you take the time to build a good playlist you could even do a couple. So, you know, beginning of the party eating playlist, and then the next ones, you know, after everyone's loosened up a bit and they want to have a dance party, you could have a dance party playlist. Cause I personally have spent time before at parties where I'm trying to figure out what the next song is going to be. And it stresses mm-hmm. me out because all I want to do is play hostess, not DJ necessarily. So get the DJ part organized initially. Yeah. We actually do a playlist cause my husband, um, and that's, I'm with this podcasting equipment we've discussed in a previous episode, episode three, how he put it all together. And so I use his mixer because he's actually a DJ. He's done a lot of weddings and events and gatherings. And so he always does a playlist. If we have a gathering at home, he pre-does that. So all he's doing then is just, yeah, it's already done. Although he does get quite, uh, quite inebriated at uh, some of the gatherings we've been to and uh, does kind of take over. So he gets his phone and then takes over and and starts programming things in and uh, gets a little chaotic. Um, But certainly when we're having, yeah, yes. 
So uh, when we're having gatherings, though, he pre-does that. So there is some pre-planning that goes into that. But anyone can do it. You don't have to be a DJ, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so board games, I mean, this is something that I love. Um, and we actually got the 10-minute Monopoly, which is the new one. So oh. much fun. Oh, so good. We uh, played it with mum and dad last time they were over and it was stressful. Like I was like, how does this 10 minute thing work? Oh my Lordy. If you haven't come across it, it's fantastic. It's a really great game. And it literally takes 10 minutes because there's a timer and it's so much fun. And so with that, what's really good is that if you have a, a gathering, you have a few people who want to get involved, you only have room for maybe four to six people to play at one time. You can just do your 10 minutes and then the next group's in, 10 minutes, next group's in. And so 10 minute monopoly, it, it's changed my life. And it's so good because like if you have your folks over and they're driving from a distance and they're not going to stay all afternoon, it's like 10 minutes, bang, you're done. See you later, bye. So yeah, 10 minute monopoly is um, is a tip that, that I really enjoy. And I think with that sort of atmosphere where it's like, it's stressful and everyone's like, oh, quick, 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 we're to get through this thing. And that's the kind of party atmosphere you want. You know, you don't want things where it's like, going to take 10 years to play you want to be boom 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 um so yeah that's my tip for um for board games i love that twister is also a really good game jenga i mean really a lot of people do tend to have board games in their closets in general yep so but i guess if you don't you could just ask a friend to bring the board game yep just gives you something to do yeah Yeah. so i've never heard of 10 minute monopoly that's cool cranium yeah that's a really good one too because it's everything it's pictionary it's categories it's yeah yeah, everything categories is my favorite game yeah 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 and cranium's great because it it kind of rolls everything it rolls it all into one trivial pursuit it's got a little bit of that in it but it's fun and it's uplifting and it's going through a whole game of just trivial pursuit or just any of those other things can be a bit monotonous but I think with something like cranium where they sort of mix it all up or monopoly where it's 10 minutes and it's like boom 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 you're done I think that's really good because it brings those vibes up which is what we're trying to do keep the vibrations up and going and that's why the music's important yeah 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 I love that I think I left my cranium game in Canada that's such a shame I've got another one I've got it here yeah I'll come next time I'm over when you come and visit Yes. All right. And to wrap things up, you know, basically, um, you know, Michelle and I each have one about, um, you know, getting dressed up. So really you can go shopping in your own closet. I mean, I know that sometimes there are things that are buried there that we forget about. And when you go and you shop in your own closet, it actually gives you an opportunity to repurpose something. So that's what I would recommend you do. That's a really great way to save money. And I know Michelle's got another suggestion as well. Yeah, I've actually, um, this is a little bit different to what we discussed, but I've actually started doing that. I went out and got a few, wanted to be a bit more feminine. I I realize uh, in all my readings and everything I'm doing, I'm wearing my Lorna Jane outfit. I'm always wearing my active wear. So I went out and I bought some really nice dresses, like summery dresses, and they were really cheap. Like I went to a, a store, checked out a few, went to one store where I was like, I can get four dresses for the price of one, what I would have paid for one at another store. So a really good money saver. And the dresses are really good quality. They're beautiful prints, really, really loved them. Got a couple of cheap like cardies, yeah, to go over the top because we need to still keep warm um, down this way. And then what I'm going to do is sort of go through my cupboard. And because I'm not working in that sort of corporate environment where I need to wear the power suits anymore, I'm going to clear out some of them, maybe pop them on like gum tree and then incorporate the more uh, relaxed, you know, feminine things that suit more my, my career now, which is self-employment. 
So that's a little switch that I'm sort of doing, but I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not losing, yeah, potentially losing uh, mm-hmm. cash. And I did that with my old wedding dress. So I had another dress that was size, I think 14, and then I lost a bunch of weight, which is common. And so I actually sold that. And I was like, I don't know, it took ages and we ended up dropping the price a little bit. And then someone bought it and they came over, tried it on and, you know, it was perfect size for her. And I'm like, fantastic. Thank you very much. So I, I never want to lose on anything, um, any decision that I make. So that's a little switch, um, switcheroonie that I'm doing at the moment. One thing I'll mention as well is that, you know, if you don't have, you know, the extra cash, you know, your fun money or whatever is not, you know, you've spent it for the week, then what you could do is maybe you could get yourself a new lipstick or just a new accessory. Because sometimes if you are dressing up from something in your closet, that's a way to just sort of revamp your look a little bit if you're not able to go out and get you know, one dress for four, which, you know, when we're done recording, you need to tell me where you did that. So I can go check it out. Yeah. It's a good store. I just don't want to name names. Um, the other thing that along those lines, Lauren, is what I did in my Facebook live on Monday is I grabbed this awesome pair of earrings. Now, what I did was I had my ears uh, pierced too low. So I was never able to wear like drop earrings or anything sort of heavy because it had like pull my lobes down and, and I was worried they were going to like literally pull through my skin. So I got my ears re-pierced a few months ago. So I'm now able to wear all these beautiful earrings. And I used to go through like La Visa um, and they always yeah. have the cheap jewelry Collect. and all of that. Um, yeah, all those stores are great. And so I'm now able to, because I got my ears re-pierced, which was a cost, then now I'm able to wear all those beautiful earrings and gifts, you know, from people that have bought me earrings and jewelry over the years. I can actually start wearing them. So so I wore them in my Facebook live and they're beautiful little dream catches with white feathers. And um, I wore them and I had so many compliments. All these people are writing into the comments. Oh, I love your earrings. I love your earrings. And I wore one of the new dresses and people are commenting. Oh, it's beautiful print. So everyone noticed. And it was just mm. such a cheap affair for me because as I said, it was like four dresses for the price of one from another store. It was, yeah, such a, such a, a good decision. It was such a good decision. Yeah, and you feel better as well. And when you're yeah. in a video too, you want to try to look yeah. nice yeah. so that yeah. you, you know, when people watch it after. Yeah. So now I'm wearing all these items of jewelry that I wasn't able to wear before just because of that one investment. Yeah. yeah and that changed everything. So now yeah. I can drag all these things out and they're brand new. You know, I've never really worn any of these things. So oh, I love it. You just never know what's in your cupboard. Yeah. No, you don't. And also get rid of anything that doesn't fit you anymore. Get it gone. Just deal with it. Yeah. Move on. That's part you know, of if it doesn't yeah, the fit you. Dress. Yeah. Be gone. Yep. If you yep. don't love it, if you don't need it, get it gone because that's all clutter. And I'm of the mindset that if you actually make space in your cupboard, you'll attract more clothes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to hang on to it. All right. Well, great show. You want to tell them what's coming up next week? Coming up next week, Lauren, we've got something a little bit, I guess it feels a bit more personal. Um, so the the budgeting, mm. the money, all of that is kind of wide ranging but the theme for next uh, week's episode is a little bit more personal it's something that I've been encountering with particularly women I guess that I'm coming across in my readings and, and healings and things like that and it's a little bit around the feeling that maybe we need to love ourselves a little bit more and so that's where we kind of came up with the idea to do this. And you and I, obviously, we work through things. We've been made redundant. And that can really put a bit of a dampener on how you feel about yourself and your self-value and your worth. So it's going to be a little bit personal, a little bit warm. We want to wrap everyone up in a little warm blanket. And we're all going to be safe and sort of discuss this together. But we're also going to be a little bit practical and um, hopefully mm-hmm. be able to lift those vibrations and um, keep it pretty, yeah, pretty uplifted, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
And I think we are going to talk a little bit about the inner child as well. And also, you know, how important it is to be able to receive, because I think that when you're not, when you're giving, 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 and you're not receiving, and you're Mm. not open to receiving, that's where there's a bit of an imbalance. And I think a lot of parents, which, you know, we are not parents, but, you know, we can still understand what it's like to give without receiving. And so it's, it's important to look at, you know, how you are filling your cup. Really. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes into, I guess, us being self-employed. You know, there's times where we have to say yeah. no. We have to say no because it's different. We, You and I now define our uh, boundaries. We define what we're going to do um, during the day. And so that's really important to for us to be able to say, yeah, no, I've actually got this planned. Yeah, I've got this thing planned mm-hmm. um, and I'll schedule that in somewhere else because we're not in a workplace where they're doing the scheduling for us. We're doing that ourselves. So it's a lot about yeah. saying no, you know, it's a lot about saying no, being open to receiving, which is what we're going to be discussing. Actually, you know what I'll bring into the episode next week as well, then mm. are uh, six or seven ways of saying no. Oh, yes. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Love that. I've got that in my backyard. I'll bring Ooh, that in. Oh, yes. I love that. Yeah. Love, love, love. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to be a good one um, and quite different, quite different to this week's episode. However, mm-hmm. uh, we'd like to mix it up, keep you on your toes, throw in a few surprises. And that's been Business in the Front. Party in the Back. Podcast. Podcast. See you next time. If you See love you. the episode, please share it with your friends. And if you didn't like it, You can say this part, Michelle. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Catch a thing. See ya.